Hi everyone, um, I'm Vinny Corsaro and we are here with our second episode of Crate of Curiosities and uh, we are joined today by, drumroll please, Danny Steinmetz Ooh. and Sam O'Grady. Look at that, bunch of, bunch of Irish fellas. <laughs> yes, that's cool. Yeah, yeah today all two of them, like surrounding this little Greek boy. This little Greek, who's a little Greek boy? I thought... He's, a, he's you, the sizzling Sicilian sensation, I'm Sam. Why did I say Greek? Italian and Puerto Corsaro, Rico. of course, Greek. Or, no, Sicilian. Why did I say Greek? Well, pretty much all Roman culture is stolen I mean, from Greek culture and Mediterranean, Roman culture. You know? Mediterranean yeah. gang. In a sense, yeah. Yeah, we're talking about an album called Coming to Knowledge by a group called Ramp. And I'm going to give a brief overview of Ramp before I ask you guys what you thought about this album, because I have a lot of thoughts, a lot of good thoughts, a lot of bad thoughts, whatever. It's it's for what it is. But this project is really interesting. Ramp stands for Roy Ayers Music Productions, which is really fascinating to me because, I mean, Roy Ayers is like a incredibly prolific artist. Like, he has albums that span 50 years. Like, dude just makes music after music. But this project he didn't play or sing or perform on. All he did was write and produce the album. And this group made one album in their life. Mm -hmm. And that's just really fascinating to me. And there's more like, there's a little more, I mean, I guess this album is like probably the most influential album people have never heard of. Um, for example, mm -hmm. the artists that have sampled tracks off this album, this one album include Erica Badu, Mary J. Blige, Common, Tribe Called Quest. Tribe Called Quest is probably the most famous one. And then like an uncountable amount of rappers. Oh, and yeah. Uh, yeah, this is a really fascinating album. And I'd uh, love to hear your guys' thoughts on it before we get into it. Yeah, um, I'll start out just, I love this album. Um, okay. Mainly, like, you know, uh, every, uh, I have a lot of different reasons why, but definitely... I think my number one reason is, dude, uh, <laughs> dude, Nate White, the Yo, bass player. he's so funky. Is sick. <laughs> it's like the high runs he does on some of the songs, especially Give It. Oh, his, that that bass line. I look up. I'm gonna look ooh. up who that was real quick, just so we uh, give proper credit where credit is due to the members of this band. Uh, Nate White. Is the is the basis white? Yeah. yeah. So um, and he he's played with a ton of people. This is kind of I, it was in researching this album. There were so many ways that so many connections that I found throughout this album of like oh absolutely this guy had worked with this guy had worked with this guy, which makes sense because it's all based around Roy Ayers. Who's yeah, and Roy like, Ayers is Roy Ayers. He's the glue yeah. holding this album together. But and he's not even on it. <laughs> yeah. Um so there are actually three other songwriters that helped with this. So oh, there was yeah. Edwin oh, Birdsong. Edwin Birdsong. Edwin Birdsong, which we'll talk but then William Allen, who I couldn't find anything about. Um, William, William Allen. Allen. And then finally there's Philip Wu. And just to put into like 
Philip Wu seems like such an outlier. Once again, I tried to Google him, could barely find anything, but dude is prolific. He's worked with, you know, Grover Washington, Gladys Knights oh, and Hips, yeah. obviously oh, shares. Like dude's worked with a ton of people and is just like this badass keyboardist. But this dude, <laughs> Philip Wu, so Philip Wu, when they were recording this, Roy Ayers is 37 years old. Edwin Birdsong is 36. Philip Wu is 21. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, holy shit. So, like, dude destined to be a prodigy, but he only helped write come into knowledge. Okay. I was about to say, so that's his only credit on the album, which I found really interesting, because that song definitely felt not like a... It didn't feel out of place, but there was something unique about that Mm -hmm. song in the track listing to me. Yeah. I, like... I'm going to get this out real quick before other stuff basically is said. But I think one thing for me that's really important to think about when I think about this album, because it it doesn't really like it doesn't really mesh as an album. Yeah. You know, definitely. like the songs are very different. Like you can definitely tell Edwin. Uh, what's his last name? Like good bird song. Bird song. Edwin. Good birds. No, Edwin. Birdsong. <laughs> Edwin. Good birds. So I like Edwin that a Birdsong little better. Wrote uh, the first track. He wrote American uh, Promise. And he mm. also wrote Give It, which makes so much sense because those two songs are like way too funky for the rest of the album. Uh-huh. But it's important to think of this album as just a Roy Ayers music project, really. He yeah. just was experimenting and came up with like nine or so songs. And he was like, yep, these are just projects for me. These are fun projects to put on one thing as like an experimental album that he did once ever. Which is kind of, that kind of catches my interest a lot because uh, it, makes me wonder how did he get this group of people on board to or, or like how did this group of people come together to make this album or to make this project what sure. was the the origins of the of ramp i mean I, I i think i'm not entirely sure how he like avengers assembled everyone together <laughs> But I do not I mean this was well into Roy Ayer's career. I mean, like I said, dude's been producing albums and writing albums for like 50 years. Oh, yeah, yeah. And this was just an experimental, like, I'm just trying to put this together. I'm trying to record this album. I'm not going to play on it. I've got all these songs, and I don't know how he assembled them, but it was this very, like, f- not freeform, but it was like, let's uh, let's experiment again. Some of these songs are, like, Pretty far reaches out of the norm. Some of them are like pretty generic funk, I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. But some gonna, of them get in a so, weird spots. I was going to say, I do like some of the, I wouldn't necessarily say weird, but I do like some of the uh, more oddball moments of this album. But I may be the outlier in this trio. I have to say, I liked this album. I uh, really dug some tracks off of this, but while I would say my general feelings on it are positive, I can't really go any further than that. I just listening to it was like, yeah, I liked that. Wasn't, I think it may just be more me than the album. It's this style of funk or more so this style of jazz soul R and B is just not my thing. Sure. That's fair. And also like, there's a lot about this album. That's not that great. The vocals yeah. are pretty bad. 
Yeah, Vinny, I I was when you recommended this and I listened to it the first time through, I listened to or I was like, oh, this is such a Vinny album because <laughs> Roy Ayers, 100 percent. I'd have a hard time believing he didn't just use the vocals as an instrument. And yeah, because there's like no care to them, really. It's just like there's harmonies every now and then. But for the most part, it's like this fucking like doubled monotone the whole time yeah There's, yeah i i actually agree with you Vinny. there's not a hell of a lot of uh yeah what you said character there's not a hell of a lot of color to the vocals it, it, it's I, think, I mean they're serviceable they do the job they get the melody out where it needs to go but i think like in comparison to say the bass playing and the guitar playing on this record they fall a little flat, in my opinion. Yeah, they're just, but, I mean, they're just straight up not that good. But for well, me, um, the thing to me that I I thought about a lot yesterday and today as I was, like, getting my, like, supplemental re-listens in or whatever. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, on on the um, on the slightly weirder songs, right? Like, Everybody Loves the Sunshine, which is, like, every chord in that song except for one is a minor chord which is insane in like uh, songs like coming to knowledge and then songs like uh, I just love you. There are so many chord changes. Yeah. That, like you can't write a complicated vocal melody and like it, it would be hard to have something that sounds good. Cause it's like, everything's like a half step. It's all half step changes the yeah. whole time. Finding that through line is crazy, but as a result, the vocals definitely falter in this one. Yeah, yeah. I like. I definitely. I agree with you. I feel like the the vocals don't. They open it up. Like they're not. I I feel like in Western music or just pop music in general, we're so trained to like vocals are what we focus in on the most, which is natural. Like, you know, they literally speak to you more so than any other instrument. But I feel like Roy Ayers, when he was going through all of these songs, he was just like putting the amount of care into the vocalizations as much as a like early 2000s bass player puts their thought into the bass, which is just like, oh yeah. Like it's a supplementary thing. Yeah, it's it's filling it in more so than driving the song, which I think is um, just a super cool thing that is consistent throughout the album. Probably the only thing that's consistent throughout this album. <laughs> I yeah. wouldn't say that's the only thing consistent. I don't know. Like it's and the sick bass. It's great yes. all the way through. Oh yeah, yeah. Damn. So one thing that I think is really fascinating about this album, a little bit of history, like a little bit more history behind it. Oh, I <laughs> I wrote this down and I really wanted to say this. First off, I'm just getting this mm. out of the way. If okay. I were to describe this album in a humorous way, I would say that this whole album felt like a Benadryl trip. <laughs> just like slippery, like kind of loose and funky and like really weird and almost familiar, but then not at times. But it was a Benadryl trip to me. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was cool. So this album was released in 1977. And the label that the album was on, ABC Blue Thumb, was bought and closed in 1978. So it had a really limited distribution window. 
So like this album got like almost no press. It got almost no accolades. And this was like Roy Ayers um, in the middle of his career. So he finished this. And I think this is really fascinating to me. The only song that he remastered and recorded with another group was Everybody Loves the Sunshine. Mm-hmm. With Did he do that with you? Oh, wait, did that? Ubiquity. That was on the album Ubiquity or Ubiquitous or whatever. Yeah. Did that That's come... A- so wait, did Everybody Loves the Sunshine come off of this record first and then it was on Ubiquity or is it the other way around? I'm pretty sure it was this and then Ubiquity. Huh. I'm going to double check though. Because I was going to say, I I would say Everybody Loves the Sunshine and American Promise. Those are definitely my two favorite my uh, two favorite songs off of this you album. You liked American Promise a lot? I really loved American Promise. Interesting. Wait, no, I, Sam, you're right, by the way. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves the sunshine came first, and then this album came. Yeah. I was one see because that was making me think like, oh, was this like a sort of not not tribute album, but like were were some of these songs pre-written before the album or released before the album, and then this group came together and decided, hey, we're going to do slightly different versions of these songs. I, I, and I, don't I know. so I was I tried to do research on this, and there's really not much out there. There's no articles about it. The mm-hmm. only stuff I'm finding is from websites from rare record collectors because it was one album that got almost no press or back background support because the label shut down at all. Mm. But from my understanding and from things I've pieced together online, this was literally just a vault of Roy Ayers songs. And that's why huh. there's like not really much of a cohesion. And he's like, I just got to get a band around this. This is a vault of unreleased music. I'm going to create. It was very Prince-like to me how Prince would create bands like Morris Day in the Time or Sheila E would create these artists and just give them music. Cause he's like, well, what the fuck, where are they going to go otherwise? Yeah. 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 Just, just as a means of like releasing, releasing it as a project. Just content, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, let's, huh. uh, let's get into the, the, the actual like album layout. Wait. Yeah. yeah. So oh, we, I guess like, before we, we do that, to- one more like history thing that I found that was super cool. Sure. Um, and I would say if anything, this is an album that definitely deserves a little more history because like even look for myself, like looking into it, I could hardly find anything outside of the fact that Roy Ayers, name was attached to it. And like the mm-hmm. various connections uh, through like the influences that this had on hip hop and yeah. What, oh, you yeah. Know, the other musicians on this record, like where they had been before and after this. I mean, Amer- Erica Padu even wrote an album called American Promise with like K because <laughs> yeah. it was like Erica in it. She even made yeah. an album called American Promise and she samples American Promise in it. Well, and she also uh, got Roy Ayers to like perform on her version of American Promise. <laughs> That's so cool. Also, I, I just I, I need to say, call I've... out the fact that Roy Ayers is a vibraphone player. Which is- I was going to say regarding vibraphone in jazz, I love the fact that he's a vibraphone player because it's, in some ways, it's almost like a, not a cliche, but a stereotypical <laughs> instrument we imagine for jazz. And yet hardly any of us can, hardly many people, let me rephrase this. There are not many people who could really name like a vibraphone player off the top of their head. Like I think most people would say Milt Jackson, 
and leave it at that. Yeah, but like that. So that vibraphone, right? That is that classic like elevator jazz instrument. Mm-hmm. That's like you hear a vibraphone playing jazz, and you're like, oh, you you think elevator? It's so cool. It's like a an elevator where people are on a little bit of ketamine. You know, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> one of those. Just another just a wee, wee little droplet of heroin. <laughs> a tinsel. Another interesting thing I found out about Ayers was one of the first like groups that he joins joined was in 1966 with a guy named Herbie Mann, who is one yeah. of the most famous jazz flautists of no all time. No way! So we had a vibraphone player and a a. A jazz flautist. And he, and Herbie Mann is like. Why does he have a shirtless angry album cover? Oh my gosh. If you it's look incredible. Herbie Mann push push. <laughs> he's like. Perfect. He's like, you guys looking at it? <laughs> he's like. Vinny, what does it look like? I think it's fantastic. He's like, he's like giving the camera a smoldering look with a fucking flute thrown over his shoulder like he's a lumber- <laughs> trying to look cool with a flute on his shoulder like, i love that. oh my god okay there's one more i'm so sorry our <laughs> man flute by herbie man look at that album art what's it called our man flute our man, our flute. man. he looks second. like fidel castro <laughs> shooting his flute with a scope you said our you- man flute yeah man is with two ends like such an interesting dude that we I, I looked in like I kind of went down this rabbit hole of of Herbie Man and it's sick and we should definely listen to one of his albums at some point. Oh, one hundred percent. If okay. I'm just seeing it oh, now, should, it's a fucking it's fantastic. He's got a freaking automatic flute weapon. <laughs> what an how is no one? When was that released? Nineteen sixty. That's a brilliant. Sorry. 1966. 66. Guys, That's a brilliant idea. I love the art style to it. Trove. Yeah. I love the art style to it. It very much reminds me of, um, you said Fidel Castro, but it makes me think of like sort of like Russian <laughs> propaganda <laughs> posters of the 50s and 60s. It, I mean, yeah, it really actually does. This is an amazing find. I... I want to get one of these dudes' photos. He has one of an owl on his flute, too. It's incredible. Amazing. Just beautiful. Um, Amazing. I don't even know what we're talking about. But, yeah, to pull us us out of the the, uh, Herbie Mann rabbit hole hole of someone who just played with Roy Ayers once. Not bad. Yeah, let's let's talk about the songs on the album. No, I had one more thing, and this is what I wanted to say earlier. (laughs) How many more things? No, because you guys, because I was like, hey, I have one more thing. It's really quick. Herbie Man. It's it's Edwin Birdsong. Yeah. Um, He wrote the song Cola Bottle Baby, and it's the last song on it on one of his albums. I think it was called Supernatural, which is also a sick album. But that song had a very large resurgence in what mid 2000s when Daft Punk sampled yes. it in harder yeah, better okay. faster yeah, yeah. stronger. Yes, that's what that is. So I this re- is like a sample gold mine. Wait, cuz then that means Kanye sampled Daft Punk who sampled Erdwin Birdsong. Boom. So Erdwin and Birdsong ran Edwin, you're saying Erdwin? Erdwin Birdsong. Edwin Byrd. Edwin Birdsong walked so Kanye West could run. 
<laughs> Thank I think you, we Bert. just have to end Thank it you, there. Word. Thanks, yeah, Word Bin. This has been uh, Word Bin Songs. No. <laughs> okay, this, now I'm done. Welcome with to my the fun. Misspelling Names Podcast. Yeah, and I'll be I'm, your host, Yenev Gesinem. I'm done uh, with my fun facts now, so we can. We I mean, that's it. a lot of fun facts. This is just like jam packed full of famous people who've sampled it, famous musicians who joined it, famous musicians who like created this project. And that's why, like, I really like to remind myself when I listen to it. And, like, I mean, I'll be honest, the only songs I really keep coming back to, um, I think Give It is great. Everybody loves the sunshine. It's just like, oh yeah, I, I think everybody then, loves everybody loves the sunshine. <laughs> everybody loves everybody loves the sunshine on everybody loves Raymond. <laughs> exactly. Everybody on everybody loves Aunt Raymond loves everybody loves the sunshine. Okay, um, yeah, but daylight is also great. I and love, like, mm-hmm. yeah, Vinny. Those are the exact ones I had written down. I'm also just a sucker for the you know West Montgomery parallel oh, octaves, octaves on guitar. Man. Oh, 100%. 100%. And then, like, so this, that, that is obviously for, for those of y'all listening, our millions of fans that, you know, make it hard for me to leave my apartment during the day for the most part because of all the paparazzi. But for those of you listening who do not know Daylight, we got, I mean, you, we have to talk about Daylight and Bonita Applebaum. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, that's, mm-hmm. that, that is the song on this album. Like, Everybody Loves the Sunshine is great, but it makes sense now knowing that. Uh, Roy Ayers wrote it first with his own problem, uh, own projects in the album Ubiquity and whatnot. But Daylight is the ramp song. Like, you have all heard Daylight before, whether you know it or not, because that is probably, Benita Applebaum is one of Tribe Called Quest's most recognizable songs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, the first time I heard it, it made me think of like an MF Doom sample. Yeah, I mean, it's that similar type of like smooth jazz, smooth R&B with a nice drum beat that everyone sampled. And Tribe Called Quest used to, so a, a little interesting thing about that is Tribe Called Quest was like, their producer, like Q-Tip and Shahid, they were amazing. They used to take all these old jazz and soul albums. And like, to think the, think about the fact that Q-Tip, I mean, they probably came out with, uh, let me see when Bonita Applebaum came out. Give me one moment. That would have been Because that was 80s? on the album, um... Oh, it was one of their first songs. It was one of their first albums. It was the one with like... I think it's uh, the, it is the first album. Yeah. Uh, People's the, Instincts that Travels and the Paths yeah. of Rhythm. That was in 1985, which means okay. it, this was back in the old days of producing, right? So Q-Tip would have had to have found a record which had not been pressed in mass release since 1977 of a band that had no background, no press, nothing, because it was a Roy Ayers pretty much throwaway project. Q-tip that would have been the- like an eight-year-old record, or eight or yeah. some, nine at that point? Anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I get what you're eight, saying. Eight, yeah, he would have had to have found it somehow. And use, I mean, I'm sure he knew Roy Ayers because Q-Tip was a musical genius. And but it's, it just, well, I mean, it's also Roy Ayers. It's not like well, he was so yeah. unknown at that point. Well, this album didn't really sell that well. True, but, well, I mean, very, very true point. I guess I was just thinking, like, okay, well, if Roy Ayers' name would be on it, I assume it would garner some kind of... like, uh, jazz appreciative as the producers of Tribe Called Quest and whatnot. Yeah, sure, I would make sense there, but... Yeah, but it's kind of interesting that that's how they used to make those until, like, the mid-90s when, like, copyright laws started becoming a thing for sampling, and Tribe Called Quest kind of got screwed forever because of that. But oh, yeah. 
it like uh i don't know it's it's fascinating to me that that i mean this is the album that that song is from this album is so chock full of sampleable material and it was this experimental like not like throwaway album but kind of sort of like a throwaway album you know i guess i kind of get i guess when i think throwaway album i i don't know i i'm my immediate thought is not to think of it as a throwaway album although the more i put that in my head i i don't know maybe it's that in retrospect sure now that we like i don't know i i don't think any artist makes an album just for the sake okay. of like, oh i'm just going well i mean you're right you're- never i i don't think he i don't think ayers was making this for the sake of saying like oh i'm going to just make an album and just have it be just end it with that because like there's some serious effort from like the other musicians on this thing from like the horn sections and the uh you know obviously uh, the bass player and the drummer and the guitarist are fucking on point with this shit say what musicianship and like what songs do you guys think of as like this album's like core for me um i'm gonna say like so the songs like american promise and give it really felt out of place to me they're fantastic because they're funky and disco-y and dancey Mm-hmm. But I think it's the songs like I Just Love You and Everybody Loves the Sunshine and Coming to Knowledge where that's like this. Uh, that's slower. It's the slower R&B and soul. It's like this very minor chordy type jazz. Mm-hmm. And to me, the two things that I think are this album are the synths, this really weird spacey synths and the strings that are right behind it. I love the I love the kind of slow strings behind the synth uh, synth bits throughout this album. And they found the through line, like on all these songs, like everybody loves the sunshine. So the chord makeup of just the verse is a uh, D flat minor. No, it's a it's a G flat minor, D flat minor, A minor, B minor. You should literally never play those chords together. You shouldn't. They, they, you're not supposed to. But he finds these through lines in the in the strings beneath it. The strings are in there. The strings are um, in Let Me Tell You Why. They're the strings in I Just Love You, where they're playing one note for like two minutes. And it it's behind. Yeah, just that, that kind of like drone of like this high yeah. string note. It's a drone. It's fascinating that he managed to, 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 to do that. I'm Yeah, no, I've always been. I really dig that as a it adds a much needed atmosphere to some of these songs. Cause I will say, so uh, like you were saying, Vinny, like American promise and give it while they are funky and a little out of place in comparison to songs like I just love you and coming yeah. to knowledge. I kind of prefer those songs expressly because of that. Mm. I'm the kind of guy who you may have noticed. I tend to prefer my music kind of blue, kind of gloomy, uh, or I like a lot of, uh, energy you prefer to it. your music gloomy and yet you enjoy the two danciest funkiest songs <laughs> just really gloomy and this is like uh this is like a i'm depressed in outer space album i can kind of uh, see that but i mean well depressed in outer space but you're also on 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 a very very nice luxury cruise spaceship oh yeah that's true with some nice like cream off off-white cream leather seats or something. 
I, and and there's tons of like alien babes who look basically look like human supermodels, just their skin is blue green or green or blue. Maybe you have like one of those like Mad Men like whiskey cabinets <laughs> against a space window or something. <laughs> exactly, that's what this album is like. Hmm. The majority of it, anyway. Right. Uh, but yeah, I think that's the thing when it comes to songs like uh, I was going to say for songs I didn't like. Yeah, totally I am like, not. Yeah at all a fan of I Just Love You. I'm not at all a fan of that song. Sorry, I may I have just myself. shut the entire room up saying that. No, no, no. <laughs> I muted myself because there are some cars doing burnouts in my street, so we can edit that out. But um, <laughs> They decided I, to do... No, no, they were all just like screeching their cars because they heard me say, oh, I don't like... I mean, you're right. I mean, I, I didn't think it was very good. But I do think that's to me where the album starts. And that's what I wrote in my notes is that that is like, it's almost like they had to play that song in order to get to everybody loves the sunshine and come into knowledge because that fits thematically with those ones that has that synthy weirdness to it. It has like the semitone chord changes throughout the whole song. I just don't think it's successful at it. I would agree. And I don't know. I, no last episode, Vinny, you had said like lyrics don't terribly matter too much to you on some or on. Oh, yeah, some I, songs I, don't, and... I couldn't tell you a single lyrical analysis of a single one of these songs. I'm lyric, <laughs> I'm, I'm I, lyric I don't know. I'm, I'm a kind of guy who likes to focus in on lyrics to a certain degree. But mm-hmm. I would say especially with a song like I Just Love You, where the lyrics are literally and I just love you and I think of you or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm too pessimistic and too cynical. And it's not that I don't like love songs, but lyrics that just go for that with such a chill, uneventful tone in the background just bores me to fucking tears. (laughs) It's like, uh, it's like, there's like a writing tip where if you like, I don't know, if you say I love you when you're writing something, it never means I love you, right? Because that's so bland and uncreative that it's normally forced or it's like someone says it when it's unrequited. Like, it's not a good thing to see the words, you know, I love you. Like, that's never good. And I'm with you there. That's, it's kind of lazy. Yeah, I do not think, like, lyrics or vocals were a focus in really in the slightest, like none of these they could not have been I, like, I, none of them have any, like coming to knowledge is the closest that I think you could get to meaning anything, but it's really just like be willing to learn is how I see it. Like have an open mind and try to learn. And sure, like, I can... like American promise. I saw that, like I saw the names of all of these songs and I was like, fuck yeah, we're about to get dive into some really cool stuff. Like, you hear American Promise, and it's just like, oh, oh this yeah, is probably going to be a deep testimony to, like, complaints with the current state of the This United is actually States. a cultural critique of the state of capitalist realism as talked yeah. about by Mark Fisher. And a <laughs> I, well, but I was, it's literally I was just a love was, song. Or I'm with, missing something. I, I would actually kind of disagree with you, Danny, because I, I agree with that sentiment because I love the way that that song starts. Again, I love that strong funk. It really reminds me of uh, the payback by James Brown in some ways. Ooh, uh, and there's yeah. a specific l- lyric I quite like, uh, like promise, promise. I love you tooth for tooth and eye for eye makes me think or thinking about America. These 
archaic ideas of justice uh, or, or giving your giving your entire being to an abstract concept like mm-hmm. America while receiving very little in return. Mm. Yeah, that, like I think that's definitely there, but I, I think that's like... But I might be reaching. Well, yeah, I, I don't think you're wrong there. I I could see it just being like not meaning anything, but I think what you say is right. It's just that's the whole song. Yeah, there's not a hell of a lot of like to America and whether it's ironic or not, like I personally am not super compelled either way. I would, I can understand that. I mean, I reason I said that might be me reaching is because there, there is not a hell of a lot of like lyrical or musical progression through the, I would say just about every song on here. They find a groove and just kind of stick with it. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as with most soul or funk or jazz funk albums of that time, just kind of find that groove and just ride it out. So oh, as far as man. vocals, that is like you could cut off 20 minutes of this album if they didn't find the groove and write it out. Oh, yeah. That's like they had <laughs> the this 20 minutes of this. Minute them, but I had this talking point and it's like one of the things that is sometimes successful is their repetition. Because what they like to do, like in songs like, um, where is it? In American Promise, exactly. You have this funk riff, right? That goes on for like, I mean, pretty much the entire song. It's like the Mm -hmm. same riff. Mm -hmm. But their vocal cadences are really repetitive, but then they will switch their cadences while still being repetitive. And there's this weird, like, complex rhythm thing going on. It's almost like they're trying to find out the rhythm for what the song is going to sound like, and they never did. So they're just like, okay, here's two minutes of what it would sound like if this was the rhythm. Now here's (laughs) two minutes of what it would sound like if we picked this rhythm. And it created this, like, uh, not psychedelic, but it was trippy in a way where you're like, I feel like the song is never going to end, but I also don't know what they're going to do next. I don't know. Like halfway, not even halfway through a song, I I would say, like, by a quarter of the way through most of these songs, I just reached a point of like, okay, what, what are they going to do with this? They've got a groove. What are they going to do? Where is this going? And I would say for the most part, it felt like it didn't really go anywhere. It just kind of shuffled its feet. Yeah. I, I think it did. As I said, this, this album to me has always been like, I want to get this. I mean, like, I want to get it on vinyl, but like, it's kind of easy to you just order it online. There's no, like, <laughs> yeah, from you know, Amoeba or something. There's no, yeah, there's nothing crazy going on with it, but I just, I'm fascinated with this idea of a band that made one album. Yeah. I, I would agree. Like, the, the brief existence of a, of a unique musical project. I would agree with that. From Roy Ayers, who was sampled by, like, the biggest names in R&B and rap. Not oh, rap. absolutely. I was going to say, so I don't know, regarding American Promise, like uh, we brought up Erica Badu yeah. doing her version of American Promise. I really like that because I, again, maybe it's just sort of confirmation bias on my end, but her version really plays into, I think really plays into those ideas of critiquing America. I mean, what with the fact that it's like a skit where there are actual voiceovers of, I, it sounded like a, a woman and her kid, a 
arriving at an airport or an immigration center. And all the while there's like this big booming voice, presumably America's voice spouting out meaningless platitudes here and there. Are you trying to say that perhaps America is a country that likes to enjoy a meaningless symbolic platitudes that perhaps don't actually uh, enhance or work towards changing anything? I mean, I'm no. not not saying. <laughs> what? <laughs> Who would have thunk? Uh, I'm not not saying that, but I know I'm just I I I, I agree. Yeah, no, I <laughs> clearly. Anyway, I loved uh, Erica Badu's version of that. As far as others, I don't know. I'm just trying to look through my list of like how I felt about certain songs on here. With Everybody Loves the Sunshine, I do like this version. And I think, as we had said before, that kind of string sound droning on in the background really enhances the song very well. Uh, and I like the, I think this is slower than yeah. the version we're all familiar with, but I think it really it's suits slower. it. And it's more stripped down. The version with Roy Ayers that's been also sampled a lot has like a little bit more to it. There's like added piano. There's mm -hmm. a vibraphone solo and everything. Well, this one's just like way stripped down and slower. Mm -hmm. This style of R&B and soul just very much isn't my thing. It's stripped down for me, usually to the point of being super uneventful and to something that I guess you could chill out and relax to. But for me, it starts to put me, uh, put me asleep after a certain point. Yeah. I do enjoy the vibe of it, but again, it's just like after a certain point, I'm not getting anything out of it. And to me that I agree with you a bit, the songs to me, it's cause the songs are like pretty repetitive. You know, oh, one hundred percent. You get three and a half minutes into a song, and you're like, "All right." You've heard the song. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I will say I do like the. Everybody loves the sunshine, though. I would say is a weird exception. I'm not quite sure why. I guess because everybody loves this, loves the sunshine is the kind of song that I wish summer were like. Uh, I'm not a summer guy. I hate being hot. I yep. hate the heat. Well, uh, but. I enjoy the relaxation or the ideas of relaxation that summer brings. And I think everybody loves the sunshine is that for me. Yeah. Everybody loves the sunshine. Isn't like partying during the summer to me. That's like uh, a small group of friends sitting by a pool drinking, you know what I mean? Like not like a party though. Mm -hmm. This is the chill summer song. This is the, uh, you're hanging out on your porch and it's 70 degrees at 10 AM on Saturday. Like you know the, what? It, it a just pleasant, kind of unplanned summer day. Yeah, like where you're just kind of going with the flow. You're not doing anything. Like maybe you go on a walk or a bike ride, and you're just soaking it. You're soaking up the sun. Danny, you, you hit know? the nail on the head. That's exactly it. I was. Gonna, it just now also occurred to me. Uh, as far as comparison, this is much later, but it's just now dawning on me. Uh, one of the newer. Childish Gambino singles, uh, It Feels Like Summer, pulls yeah. a lot from Everybody Loves the Sunshine now that I'm thinking about it. Huh. Now, I mean, it, it's a very similar, a very similar. Yeah, even like the melody where it's like, feels like summer. Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, huh. That is like a weird, like, it's not a parallel, but it's like, kind of. But, 
But I, again, I, I don't know, as far as comparison, just to give people an idea of what the song is like. And again, that's a, I quite like Feels Like Summer. That's exactly yeah. what we were talking, what Danny was saying Same earlier vibe. about like that vibe. unplanned, chill summer day. But a little funky, like someone is maybe wearing circular sunglasses. Oh, yeah. Mm. Again, it's ideal summer. I mean, you know, you got to have circular glasses or else what the hell are you doing? Yeah, this whole album... Whether you like it or not, I feel like my how cool I felt about myself while listening to it <laughs> yes. plus like three points. Like the whole time, <laughs> no matter what I was doing, as long as it wasn't like I just felt cooler. I, I like, mean, yeah, well, the yeah. vibe switched so much. You have 80s cop intro, 80s cop movie intro music funk. <laughs> That's a perfect example. That's a perfect description. It's like American Promise and Give It. Although, Okay, so the two things to me, the two songs that I think do the coolest musical thing that we haven't really touched on yet, and this isn't like a discussion type situation, mm-hmm. give it. Um, yeah. Oh, the porn rips on that. That transition. In the change, there's that like, there's like the, um, there's like, like a the disco opener. Disco opener into like, they go, we want the same kind of joy. And then it gets real funky. Oh, it turns. In, it almost turns back. into like a a Stevie Wonder. Yeah. Thing. So that the the two switches they do there, disco to Stevie Wonder to disco to Stevie Wonder's nuts. I mm-hmm. also really liked the so the last song, Deep Velvet, felt like a perfect last album song. Like it was a cheesy three four waltz rock, but mm-hmm. it go from three four to four four back to three four back to four four, and they end on three four. I. I did like the time uh, time signature changing throughout that. Even I thought it was a good title for a song, even though I thought the lyrics were incredibly eye roll worthy. See, that's the best part about never listening to lyrics is that never is cringe. Yeah. Vinny, I I wish I had that in me. I I couldn't tell you like in, I wish that I could change. This is why Vinny loves Nickelback. (laughs) (laughs) No, this is, I mean, this is seriously why I love jazz. Because they don't bullshit around and fuck over with lyrics. It's just like, eh, no, I would. Here's I would a bunch of that. cool chords. Like, I mean, I guess I could sing about something, but it's not going to mean anything. And to me, it's like I, I couldn't tell you what a single one of these songs mean. And I've listened to them a lot. I just have no idea. I don't want to. Fair enough. I wonder. I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm lyric grown... blind. I'm lyric blind. Well, mine was just like the things. Like, if I had to recommend. Like if someone was like, "Hey, I'm about to listen to this album. Come into knowledge. What what mindset should I go into it for?" I would say like, "Don't care about the lyrics." Yeah. I would say you're gonna like, don't worry about kind of getting lost or letting the song come into the background because I think it does this really good job of like, all right, you find a groove, you find a groove, and some songs stay on that, and it's like that's cool to be background. But then there's some songs like give it where if you have this just playing in the background, you're going to stop for a second and go, Whoa, wait, let's roll yeah. this back. Be willing sure. to listen to songs again. Cause you have these transitions. And then obviously like don't expect too much out of the vocals. And finally make sure whatever you're listening on has some subwoofers or something to highlight the bass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those would be like, that would be my advice to someone if they are about to jump into this album. I think, I think that's an uh, incredibly sound advice for this. I'm the kind, I don't know. I I'm the kind of guy who's grown up too much listening to uh folk artists or 
post-punk artists or alternative rock or, or just things where lyrics take center stage a lot of the time. And I, mm-hmm. I can't not focus on that after a certain point, but this is definitely an album where that's not, uh, that was not a priority. And I don't think it needs to be, even if I'm, I will admit I may be making a bigger deal out of it than necessary. I, I don't think it, it needs to be a priority for this record. Yeah. But I guess in that case, like given how these songs tend to, as we said, go on a bit and get a little repetitive after a certain point, I guess my first thought, my thought at that point is like, okay, well, if it's going to be repeating like that, what else is it offering over top of these repeating lines? Mm-hmm. Vocally wasn't doing a hell of a lot for me. Although obviously the solo bits with the horns and the instrumental bits on guitar and bass were definitely worthwhile. I think for me, <laughs> if I were to like my advice for someone before listening to this album is that, and I, I don't know how true this is, and I know you don't like me referring to it as a throwaway album because I think you're right there. It It's a lot of work for a throwaway. Yeah. I think it's important to go into it as this is an experiment. Mm. You have multiple different songwriters. The songs don't really mesh incredibly well. It's a Roy Ayers project that he wanted to create and direct, basically. Like, he's not, he doesn't play a single instrument in it. And I think that's really fascinating to think of it as a, just a creative outburst. Here's a bunch of songs that I'm never going to play or remaster again on off an album. I'm never going to do again. And the label's gone. It's just like, here's this random burst of eccentric funk and jazz and soul. The, 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 the epithet I would put with it is in quotations. It's okay to skip songs. (laughs) It's okay to press next. You're three minutes into American promise and you're like, Oh boy, I wonder what's next. Guess what, motherfucker? You got five more minutes of that exact same shit. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah, it's it's what it is. Don't be afraid to skip a song. Or if uh, you're gonna if you're gonna have that, like just I don't know, like make some coffee on the side, or to like do something on the side. That's a that's a fine album to have playing on in the background while you're doing something else. Sure. I sorry, I'm I'm also just like trying to look at like okay, what did I think of the other songs on here? Um, I think we were talking about coming to knowledge and I remember really, really enjoying the chord progression on that. There's something about that that mm-hmm. genuinely feels a bit like going on a journey after a certain, like that's the one that has the most, the most forward motion change. from what I remember. It's like, uh, it's, there's so many chord changes and they're like mostly semitone changes. Like they're mostly half steps mm. is what is going on there. It's so fascinating to me. They shouldn't go together. And that mm. is a, that's the song where I made the realization, maybe one of the reasons why the lyrics are so lackluster is because there are songs like this in which, like, how the fuck can you come up with a melody for a song that changes by half steps every two seconds? I do. I love that. Again, I'm with you, Vinny. I, I really love that aspect about jazz, something that really that has that emotional grip to it, but also really kind of fucks around with your expectation on. Yeah. Like uh, you just shouldn't play these chords together. Generally like, speaking. And yet <laughs> guys like Roy Ayers. You find yeah. a way, find a way life will find a way type type stuff, you know, <laughs> supposedly, yeah. I mean, supposedly. if you want to compare Roy Ayers to a dinosaur from Jurassic park, I'm sure it wouldn't be the first time, Sam. 
It certainly will not be the last. I can, if all goes according to plan with my Jurassic Royers Park, I don't know. Gonna I, I, no, I'm making Jazz Rassic Park. Jazz Rass, that's a little better. Jurassic. Yeah, we, we're not going to get. I'm okay yeah, with that. Um, I think we've talked a lot about the songs. We've talked a lot about the history. We've talked about how we feel about it. I'll be honest, it feels like we're kind of reaching the uh, kind of the end of this little guy. I was about to say, I don't know if there's a hell of a lot more we could really, I guess, the, uh, again, just going over my notes, the only other thing I guess I was going to say is like the the song Try, Try, Try. I remember kind of liking because the mm-hmm. riff on it reminded me of Sissy Strut by The Meters. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. It has this, uh, so there's a Herbie, I actually had to do a lot of research into this and I, it was not fruitful. So Herbie <laughs> Hancock has an album called Manchild. Yeah, I've got that on vinyl. I love it. It's amazing, but it's this like riffy funk, right? It sounds like riff rock and funk at the same time. And Mm -hmm. I had to look up who wrote Try, Try, Try. And I looked up who wrote all the songs on Manchild because that could be a song without the lyrics. That would be a song on Manchild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that. That's what I have in my notes. I I have I wrote down like Herbie Hancock joining in with the meters. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's awesome, man. I said these funk remind me of Herbie Hancock's brief foray into real funk with Manchild. <laughs> Absolutely. I love that aspect to it. Here, man. Uh, awesome. Yeah, this, the funk hey, we aspect should, we to this album. We should do a music podcast together, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can I join? Yeah, uh, why not? Yes. You seem kind of smart and kind of cool. Wow, Dave, thanks. Your, uh, oh, did, did you have more to say on that, or did I just kind of... Oh no! I, I all I was really gonna say was like, uh, no, I, I really dig the funk aspects to this. The soul aspects are uh, a little hit or miss with me. Sadly, a little more miss than hit. But yeah, I think the overall, the the summery, sunshiny vibe to some of the tunes, uh, it's very pleasant, very nice. I think again, ultimately for me, it's just not my cup of tea when it comes to soul. Sure. It's it's really f- funny to me because my conclusion notes would be I felt like the funk was generic and overplayed and that it sounded like any intro to 80s cop movies. It's not like any mm-hmm. funk, but the sure. soul was so experimental and searching and it did not pay off all the time, but I loved that they tried and I loved how spacey and weird they got with synths and strings. And I'm, gl- I'm really glad Roy Ayers made this project. And so are a lot of R&B artists. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But that's funny no. that we had the exact opposite takeaway. Yeah. And I feel like I fall somewhere right in between where it's just like, I love the funk, but like, yeah, Vinny, what you're saying, it's, it's not, there's nothing in the funk that's like, oh, I've never heard this before. This is completely yeah. oh, new yeah. territory. It, um, it's, it's, it is pretty generic. I will concede to that. But Yeah. And I agree with the soul. Like, hit or miss. Um, I think it hit more than it missed, at least for me. But I am a very bad critic and just like things if, as long as they don't make my ears bleed. <laughs> very fair. That well, uh, now you're challenging fair. me, Danny. Now I'm now I'm thinking like, okay, what could I get him to like that could make his ears bleed? <laughs> <laughs> challenging me, but I don't know what I'll pick next anyway. So we'll see. But sure. uh, it, what 
what would your guys' takeaway for, or I guess we just discussed what our takeaway from this is. If we were to like summarize our feelings or this is maybe not to be reductive to the album, but if you were to give it a ranking out of 10, what would you say? I think I would give it probably like a six and a half to a seven. Yeah. And Damn, I, I think yeah. sound wise is probably around maybe a little lower, but I think the songs that hit fucking hit. Mm-hmm. And I'd say I, I'm going to solidify mine as a seven. And I think a lot of things go into play. The songs that hit, hit. The um, the experimental nature of it was really fascinating. I love the concept that Roy Ayers made a project that he didn't play in and just directed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also, I feel like if they even, like, pretended to want vocalists in it, <laughs> if they even, like, I don't know, did a vocal warm-up or anything, then you could tell. <laughs> but the vocals were, like... Damn, pretty. you hated the vocals more than I did. <laughs> they were yeah, pretty. I so I don't care about the lyrics. I just care about the voice, and the voice sure. was pretty bad. It was not not a very good, not a very That's, good vocalist. Which is funny because they had like four different vocalists on this. Yeah, and they all sounded like the same person. It was all this weird monotone. But that that's me. I give it a seven. I think it was. I think it was really. Amb- I think this was a super ambitious album. They tried sure. to do a whole lot, slam a whole lot of genre, a whole lot of techniques, a whole lot of instruments, a whole lot of styles. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't, but it left us with a uh, really unique album that, it, uh, you know, just did, they made one album and uh, disappeared forever. Well, they didn't, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I got you. Danny, what do you think? I don't think there's anything of substance I can add that's different than what Vinny said. Just hit the nail on the head on that one i agree wholeheartedly i'm about the same i guess my i would if i were to rank it it would probably be a closer to a six for me Mm -hmm. uh again like there is definitely something good i think there there could be a really great album within this album but uh at the moment i mean just as it is it feels a bit like like it's not quite a final draft. Something more would have needed to be done or something yeah. else would have needed to have changed to really push it that extra step further for me. But as it is, it's not bad. Well, that's uh, I love that. I really just that love description, that. not knowing anything about this album, which obviously what I'm about to say, you're going to be like, yeah, no shit. But the way you described it to me sounds like a sampler's gold mine. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. There's a great Actually, album in there somewhere. There's something within you could you could mine to make something better. And I think that's the thing is like all of the sample stuff I've heard come out of this, I've enjoyed arguably more than the Way album better. itself. Bonita Applebaum's <laughs> amazing. Oh, no, yeah. it's fucking great. It's one of the has to go down as one of the like great hip hop songs I of mean, history. Yeah, that's like mm-hmm. Tribe Called Quest. Yeah. That was awesome. Uh, um, I'll do like a little sign-off thing. Sure and thing. Are, are you right saying ahead. like we're going to have to fight with signs? Yeah. Um, have a sign-off? <laughs> um, I'm Vinny Corsaro. I'm here with Danny Steinmetz and Sam O'Grady. You've been listening to the second episode of Crate of Curiosities. And you know, uh, please remember. That's it. That's, <laughs> that's the show. <laughs> really? <laughs> That's the whole joke.
ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Sorry. Um, all right. We're keeping that. Yeah, <laughs> that's five little bloopers. <laughs>